we all want a business like Netflix or Amazon Prime. Businesses where once a customer engages with them, it becomes automatic and a part of their lifestyle from then on. But how do you build that forever transaction? I'm Robbie Kelman-Baxter, and I have been studying subscription and membership models for nearly 20 years. In this podcast, my guests and I share the secrets and strategies of the membership economy. Join us for Subscription Stories, True Tales from the Trenches. When John Lee Dumas began his entrepreneurial journey, he was hungry to learn as much as he could. He decided to share the advice he was getting and joined the growing ranks of podcasters. To stand out from the crowd, he identified an unmet need. When he had first gone looking for a daily podcast to punctuate his long days, he had found none. So he created a daily podcast. From that simple objective of satisfying his own craving to learn and sharing it with others who were just like him, he's created an entrepreneurial empire. He's interviewed over 3,000 people for his podcast, Entrepreneur on Fire, including Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Barbara Corcoran, Gary Vaynerchuk, and yours truly. The podcast has over 1 million unique listens a month and over 100 million listens since launching in 2012. Over the years, John has incorporated courses, community, journals, and other experiences, layering in more and more ways to help his members thrive. He recently launched a new book, The Common Path to Uncommon Success. In this short and sweet conversation, John and I talk about how he's evolved his offerings over time in support of his avatar, Jimmy, why he wrote his new book, and how he's been able to build such a content creation machine to serve the ongoing needs of his members. Welcome to the show, John. Robbie, I am so excited and honored to join you today. I want to just jump right in. Can you share the story of how you became interested in building frameworks and guidance for entrepreneurs? You know, honestly, it goes back to my military days. Like, I just loved when I was an officer in the U.S. Army, like actually being able to create a plan, create a framework, create a strategy, and then go out and execute that. So, you know, fast forward till when I was 32 years old, back in 2012, I said, how can I do this in the entrepreneurship world? Like, how can I actually take what I've learned as an officer in the U.S. Army for eight years and apply those frameworks, that systems, those mentalities and automations into entrepreneurship? And it just really excited me to say, wow, like we live in a world where we can really scale and leverage conversations. Like for instance, my conversation on Entrepreneurs on Fire get listened to over 1.4 million times every single month. I have over 100 million listens. So those one-on-one conversations, given the right framework, given the right structure, given the right systems, can be scaled and leveraged to such a massive degree. And my mind was just really excited by that kind of concept. And so that was exactly why I wanted you know, to get into the platform of podcasting, to build frameworks around that that was going to allow me to leverage and scale the conversations I was having with you know, unbelievably inspiring and successful entrepreneurs such as yourself and build going forward. And now I've been doing that for a decade for 3000 episodes and I have no intentions of stopping. (laughs) Now, you're really well known right now as a kind of guru for entrepreneurs, for podcasters, for, for solopreneurs, for people with big ideas. But back when you had just gotten out of the military and you were thinking about what to do next, were you already saying, I'm going to work with entrepreneurs, helping entrepreneurs? Or were you saying, I'm going to be an entrepreneur myself? Uh, In other words, is this an accidental, like a a sharp left turn? Or did you always say, I want to be an advisor to entrepreneurs? Here's what I said, Robbie. I said, you know what? 
I'm looking around and I'm realizing that for the past six years, I've been struggling. And this was six years post my military experience. Like I tried law school, I tried corporate finance, I tried commercial real estate, like nothing was working for me. And so I looked around at in 2012, right on the precipice of launching this podcast and this business. And I said to myself, okay, what's the problem here? And the problem was the average of the five people I was spending the most time with was low. I was hanging out with Don Doolittles, Debbie Downers, people that were complaining and whining and moaning. And I said, how can I change that? Well, by reading the right books, by listening to the right audiobooks, by listening to podcasts with successful entrepreneurs, I can change that. And then it even led me to say, well, what if I launched my own podcast? And then actually got to have one-on-one conversations with Robbie and Tony Robbins and Barbara Corcoran and Tim Ferriss, like one-on-one conversations, like, what would that look like? And that was the entire concept of deciding that I was the average of the five people I, was, I spent the most time with. I had to increase and improve my average and I had to do it quick. Otherwise, I was going to continue down that road of struggle. And that was the idea. That was a concept. I did not know what was going to come next, Robbie, but I just decided I'm going to improve the average of the five people I spend the most time with. I'm going to give free, valuable, and consistent content to the world and we'll see where the chips lie. You have now built this a community of people who are are loyal to you, who are engaged. Can you describe kind of who you're, and I know you're going to say you don't have a typical, a typical listener or a typical best member. I absolutely have a typical listener. In fact, I have the perfect listener. And this is where I think most people go wrong. They don't have a typical listener. They don't think that they have, you know, an ideal consumer of their content. And you have to, because that person is your North Star. That person will guide you every single step in your journey. Every time you come to a path in the road that you don't know if you should go left or you should go right, you should not be making that decision. Your perfect listener should, your avatar should, the perfect consumer of your content, your client, your customer, that single person should make the decision for you because that's what you're doing. You're creating this business for them. You're creating solutions for their specific problems. So my perfect listener of my podcast is Jimmy. He's 41 years old. He has a wife and two kids, ages three and five. He has a 25-minute commute to work every single day. I could go on about Jimmy for the next 20 minutes. I won't because you might get bored, but I could because I know him that well. And that's what you need. You need a North Star that's guiding you every step of the way. One of the things I found really interesting about your journey is that you have continued to layer in different offerings to support the Jimmys of the world. You started, I think, with the podcast, but you've you've layered in conferences, events, books, journals, courses, just a huge range of experiences to continue to deliver on what I would call a forever promise. Can you describe what that promise is? You just described Jimmy. What is it that you're doing for Jimmy or what journey is Jimmy on that you are accompanying him on? My forever promise is this. I am going to be having amazing conversations with unbelievably successful, insightful, interesting, and intelligent entrepreneurs. And I'm going to share their journey. I'm going to share their struggles and their failures so that Jimmy can learn from those struggles and failures. I'm going to share their successes and wins so that Jimmy can understand what it looks like to actually succeed and have a win in this world. I'm going to share their best strategies and tips so Jimmy can apply that to his business when it's applicable. That's my forever promise is having amazing, insightful conversations. So Jimmy can be a fly on the wall. Jimmy can listen to them. Jimmy can become the average of the people that are speaking. That's why I actually end every one of my podcast episodes by saying, all right, Fire Nation, you've been hanging out with Robbie and JLD today. So keep up the heat because you are hanging out with myself and Robbie. We are part of your five right now because you're listening to us. You're part of this conversation, whether it's happening live or a year from now, 
you are part of this conversation, albeit maybe just a listener, but that's fine as well. And your average is going up as a result. That is my promise to my avatar. So part of that is community and I would even say companionship along the journey. Today, you're hanging out with JLD and Robbie. Tomorrow, you're hanging out with JLD and Tony. Next week, you might be hanging out with Barbara or you know, any of the other people that you, that you mentioned. It's really about being with them on their kind of entrepreneurial journey. I know that you, that you recently wrote a book, and I want to talk about that. Of all the different things that you could do for the Jimmies of the world, what prompted you to say, you know, the podcasts, the courses, the journaling, not enough. We need this book. I've interviewed over 3,000 of the world's most successful entrepreneurs over the past decade. I have learned as a mentee to all 3,000 of those mentors. And this book is a culmination of those 3,000 conversations. Me actually sitting down and saying, wow, like what is missing? Like what does my audience need? What are they struggling with? What aren't they getting that these successful entrepreneurs are getting at such a high level? And then recognizing and realizing that, hey, Robbie, myself, Barbara, Tim, Tony, none of us are rocket scientists. Like we have all been on a common path to get to our own versions, and we all have different versions, but to get to our versions of uncommon success, we've gone down a very common path. And when I boil down the core foundational principles that all successful entrepreneurs share, there are 17 core foundational principles. Not 18, not 16, there are 17 (laughs) core foundational principles, and I put it in a chronological step-by-step roadmap to get to your financial freedom and fulfillment. And it's all in this book. It took me 480 hours to put those 17 concepts in a roadmap, in a book, but now it's ready, and I am very proud of the final result. It's an excellent book. 480 hours. You are a calendar guy. Yeah. That kind of a response, a 480 hour response. You're very aware of how you spend your time. Why is that? I would actually use the words hyper aware because I am hyper aware of how I spend my time. Because listen, I either want to be all in doing something meaningful, like having this conversation with you. I'm all in on this because this is a meaningful conversation. This is my zone of fire. This is exactly the type of things I should be doing. The time that I spent writing this book, this is a good use of my time. If I'm not having things that are a good use of my time for my business, I don't want to be putzing around. I don't want to be strolling through, you know, the social media channels and just flipping away and liking this and liking that. No, I either want to be all in on my business, doing things that are productive. That means producing the right content, like this interview here, like interviews for my show, like writing this book, or I want to be down by my pool, hanging out with my dog, like relaxing, hanging out with Kate, going on walks, exercising, working out, like doing things that I want to be doing with my other time. So I don't waste time. I'm either all in on my work or I'm all out and I'm enjoying life. It's really black and white for me. I'm either all on or all off. And that's just how I operate. And it's done pretty well for me so far. A lot of people think that having a big idea when they go on their entrepreneurial journey or, you know, in my world, people getting ready to start a subscription, they're like, we're going to create a subscription and it's going to teach people how to be successful or we're going to have this membership and it's going to allow people to have clothes so they always look their best. But you say that having a big idea is not enough. Nope. The first one you shared, especially, I mean, that is just a broad, vague idea that a million other people have every single day. So you want to compete against a million people every single day? Go ahead and launch that thing and fail like everybody else fails. Your big idea is awesome. That's exciting. 
But guess what? Now you've got to take step two of the 17-step process because step one is identifying your big idea. So good for you. But now there's 16 more steps. Step two is discovering the niche, uncovering the void that's not being filled in that marketplace, discovering a problem that's not being solved within your big idea. And Robbie, like to give a real world example, my big idea was a podcast. I would have gotten slaughtered like a little lamb had I just gone and launched a podcast. So broad, so vague. So I niched down to a business podcast. Okay. There's 300 business podcasts. I'll still get slaughtered like a little lamb. Let me niche down a third time. Okay. Now there's seven podcasts that are business podcasts that are interviewing entrepreneurs. This is getting a little more reasonable, but do I want to be the eighth best business podcast interviewing entrepreneurs? No. I want to be the best. So how do I be the best? Well, I can't become the eighth best by launching that podcast. So I said, what's a niche that's not being filled? What's a void that I can step into? What is a problem that's not being solved by those seven current podcasts? And Robbie, the answer to that was they were all once a week. And I said, well, I wish that there was at least one show that was every single day. So I just solved a problem within those seven podcasts that wasn't being solved. And I became the first daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. So day one, Robbie, I was the best daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. I was (laughs) the worst. The best and only. Best worst in between. That's it. It's so interesting too, because you went to daily. And one of the things that I hear people say all the time or ask me all the time is how much is too much for content? Emails, once a week, once a month, once a day, what's the right cadence? And what I find so interesting about your story is that you weren't getting enough. And this idea that if you are trying to learn something or you are seeking inspiration or entertainment or whatever it is, if the content is valuable to you, we can't get enough, right? Like my kids don't say, oh, I just played a video game yesterday. I'm not going to play one today. Or I just watched the Kardashians last week. I can't believe there's another show. How boring, right? They love it. So how do you decide what the right cadence is and how deep to go with with your Jimmy, with your avatar? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that's exactly the answer is you get to know your avatar, Jimmy. You get to know who your avatar is. Is it Jane? Is it Sarah? Is it Tommy? Whoever that person is, you get to know them intimately and you create the cadence for them. And that's as simple, but as true as the answer is to this question. Now, listen, back when I was like, oh, should I launch a daily podcast? Because I know that I want one, but you know, is that going to be too niche? Well, the answer is, if I didn't launch a daily podcast, I would have been the eighth best podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. And who wants the eighth best podcast? So I would have been the worst and people would have ignored me, rightfully so, because they would have gone and listened to the best and the second best and the third best. Why are they listening to the eighth best? There's only so much time in the world. To, you know, who's listening to the eighth best version of the Kardashians, like that many levels down? Like, no, they're, they're watching the Kardashians every single week. So that is the critical thing to understand when you are really dialing in your avatars. You're saying, you know what? I'm not trying to serve everybody. I'm not trying to resonate with everybody. I'm just trying to resonate with my perfect avatar, my perfect customer, client, consumer of my content, whatever that looks like, that's who I'm serving. Like when I, you know, typed in Twitter back in 2012, daily podcasts, I had... Some people that were like, I can never listen to a daily podcast because that's just too much. Guess what? They weren't my avatar. They weren't Jimmy. There was some people that wrote back, oh my God, I've been dying for a daily podcast. And they were my Jimmy. So I was not trying to serve everybody. I was just trying to serve my perfect audience member, my perfect Jimmy, my perfect avatar. And I focus on that person all 10 years. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's really important. If you want to have an ongoing relationship with somebody, you have to know them. 
And I think, you know, in the world of subscriptions and membership models, people want to have an ongoing relationship, right? They want that customer to keep buying from them or to keep looking to them first for whatever it is, advice, products, insights, what have you. And you're so good at really knowing who your audience is and building building an ongoing relationship with them and layering in more value over time to continue to help them achieve the goal that you promised them in the first place, which is that you were walking along with them on their journey and bringing in lots of education and inspiration, I would say. Thank you. It seems like a lot of people are becoming entrepreneurs this year, maybe because of COVID, maybe because they're home more, maybe because they lost their jobs. Are you seeing that as well? Kind of a a rise in, in new entrepreneurs? The comfort zone. Let's talk about the comfort zone. So many people as humans, we are just so innately trained to seek our comfort zone. So many people want to live within their comfort zone because they know it, they understand it, they're good at it, it feels good, they're successful enough. And so they're in the comfort zone. There's a word that I use or a phrase that is so key. All the magic happens outside of your comfort zone. That's where the magic happens. And there's just been so many people for so long, Robbie, who have just been in, in this comfort zone rut where, you know, they didn't hate their job that much. They were making enough money to like get by and they were happy enough. And then boom, COVID came and shook things up. And now people either got fired or they just start working from home or they were now seeing like, oh, I can work from home because my company's letting me and like, I kind of like this. And they're looking around, they're saying, man, I'm kind of out of my comfort zone, but I've kind of made some magic happen now because now they're starting to realize, oh, you can make some magic outside of your comfort zone. Like this rut that I was in, that maybe I didn't even realize that I was in, I've gotten shaken out of it. And now I'm almost like, well, what else can I do this difference? You know, what else is there for opportunities out there? So we're definitely seeing that in the entrepreneurial world. We're seeing people who are like, you know what? I don't have an hour commute to work anymore, there and back. So two hours a day are given back to me. I'm able to actually be more efficient because I'm not like having these water cooler conversations or like, you know, just hanging out in the cafeteria. Like I'm getting my stuff done and now I have time to get other stuff done. Like what would it look like to start a side hustle to, you know, start something different or, or educate myself in different areas, whether that be podcasting or writing a book or, you know, starting an Etsy store or doing a social media account. You know, I mean, like people, things that people didn't think they had time for, now they're experimenting and they're saying like, oh, this is kind of interesting. To all those people, I'll say one thing, become the single best solution to a real problem and you have a chance on winning. If you do that, if you just try to become a pale, weak imitation of the thousands of successful entrepreneurs that you're seeing out there, you'll be just that, a pale, weak imitation of them. And nobody wants a pale, weak imitation. They want you. You're special. You're unique. You are a snowflake. Look within. You have a big idea. You have a zone of fire that you can live within that nobody else can bring to this world. You can bring this to the world. Don't be a pale imitation of other people. Be the best version of yourself. People listening to this, I know, are saying, yeah, 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 that sounds great. JLD, he's done it. He's, you know, he's way out there. He's making $250,000 a month and living in Puerto Rico, living the dream, but he has a huge audience. You keep telling me to niche down and you keep telling me to do the thing I do best. And if I tell you the thing I do best, there's like one person out there that's going to want it. So I'm not going to have a big enough audience. What do you have to say to them? I'd say you're dead wrong. Cry me a river. Stop whining. Stop complaining. Stop looking for every excuse not to do something. And how about actually do something? How about actually listen to the advice of people who have had the success that I've had and the 3,000 entrepreneurs that I've interviewed over the past decade have had? How about starting to actually follow their advice and my advice and you know, going forward and discovering a niche 
becoming the best solution to a real problem and delivering that in a massive way. Because guess what? 10 years later, I do have a massive audience. But you know what my audience started out at? Zero. I niched myself all the way down four times into the first daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs and nobody listened at first. And then some people listened and then more people listened. And over a decade, I've gotten over 100 million listens. I've built a massive audience. You can't start today at my 10 years of work. You have to start today at where I started 10 years ago, which was at zero. And if you are afraid to niche, you will fail, period. If you are afraid to niche, you will fail. Exclamation point. Exclamation point. I want to talk a little bit more about the common path to uncommon success because I, first of all, I love the title. Thank you. I love the idea of what are the shared learnings of all of these 3,000 people. And I'm interested in, you've been doing this, you do this every day, you're talking to these great people. Were there any surprises for you when you kind of went back? I, I imagine that you went back through your transcripts and through your recordings and kind of looked for patterns, maybe did a little bit of, you know, quantitative analysis on it or sort of look, looked for themes. Was there, did anything surprise you? Yeah. I wanted to create the definitive answer that my audience was asking me over and over and over again. And I knew to do that. I just had to sit down and download all the genius from the 3,000 interviews that I've done over the past decade, pull out what I consider the core foundational principles that all successful entrepreneurs share together. And when I boiled that down, Robbie, I was looking at 17 core foundational principles that all successful entrepreneurs share. I put those in a chronological step-by-step -step roadmap, and I was like, this is the book. 17 chapters, step-by-step, -step, chronological. This is a roadmap to financial freedom and fulfillment. And I sat down and I wrote that book. Chapter one, step one, all the way through. Chapter 17, step 17, the common path to uncommon success. This is not the complicated path or the hidden path or the secret path. It is a common path to uncommon success. But Robbie, let me be clear. Common does not mean easy. This is hard work. If you are not willing to work hard, do not buy this book. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Do none of those things. But I want to be honest with you. It's hard work to build a dream business. I worked hard to build Entrepreneurs on Fire. Robbie's worked really hard to build what she's built. But you know what also is hard? Being broke. Living paycheck to paycheck. Waking up every day, looking in the mirror and being a little disappointed in yourself for not fulfilling and achieving what you know you're capable of of achieving. That's hard too. Because by the way, I lived that life for six years. So I'm speaking from experience. So when I came to a, a fork in the road and I said, okay, the path to the left of building my business, that's going to be hard. But you know, staying broke and underachieving that path to the right, that's hard too. So you know, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to choose my hard. And I did. And it was hard work to build this business, but now I have financial freedom, I have fulfillment, I have uncommon success, and I've written the book that will give you the exact same thing if you're willing to do the work, if you're willing to choose your hard. So when you were writing the book, did anything pop out at you that you hadn't expected? Where you said, oh, I didn't realize that everybody said the same thing or, every, you know, it's common path. What were some of the things or was there one thing that surprised you that many people said that you hadn't quite seen or, or registered when you were just kind of doing the interviews every day? So this book's 71,000 words. The average chapter is about 3,550 words. Chapter seven, step seven really surprised me because it took me forever to write. And when I finished I was like, wow, this is 13,500 words, just this chapter alone. And the chapter is design your content production plan. 
And when I stepped back, I said, this is why I've been so successful for a decade, making over $100,000 a month for 91 months in a row because of this content production plan that I've created with Entrepreneurs on Fire. And we now, after a year, after, sorry, a decade, have a fantastic content production plan. It used to be terrible. Now it's fantastic. And if you're watching this or hearing my voice, your content production plan is likely terrible. It's okay. Everybody's is terrible when you start. This book, chapter seven, step seven, designing your content production plan really surprised me because I was like, wow, people's lives will be changed when they read this chapter and design a content production plan for potentially the first time in their life. At least have a great one for the first time in their life. It will change their life. It's interesting because you're not the only one that does that. A lot of really successful people do it. And I'm glad that you devoted a chapter to that because if you have a plan, it's so much easier to produce. And so I think that's really excellent. Before we go, well, I have two things. Since I have the leading expert, I have a podcast I just started. I'm an author. What advice might you have for me? For Robbie, I would say you should have a minimum of eight different calls to action at the end of your every single show. Only one per show, but rotate eight different ones that are a call to action, getting your listeners into one of your funnels that's actually leading people to a sale, to a product, to a service, to a community, whatever that might be. I have been rotating eight calls to action now for about seven years. And so it's the last thing that my guests here on my show is me telling them, hey, hope you enjoyed the show with Robbie. Here's a great opportunity for you to do X, Y, and Z. Boom. One call to action at the end. I'm always driving my audience using different calls to action to rotate them to different funnels in my business that are all producing revenue. The biggest thing about podcasting is you have to realize the truth that podcast listeners listen to podcasts. And so when you are actually a guest dropping value on other people's podcasts, you are doing a great job really and clearly having your potential audience listening to you. And if you have a call to action to get them over to your show, you're going to convert them because you're converting the converted. They're already listening to podcasts, already part of their day. Excellent advice. And uh, I'm going to work on it. (laughs) That's a good one. Eight calls to action. Last thing I want to do is a speed round. What was the first subscription you ever remember having? Hmm. I'd say Netflix, to be honest, like back in the DVD days. Three DVDs out at a time, red envelopes. Yes. What's your favorite subscription of the COVID era? We have a subscription to, it's called Mud Water and it comes every couple months and it is a great combination of mushroom coffee and cream. Mm. So healthy and nutritional and delicious. Delicious. If you like mud. (laughs) Uh, The last podcast you listened to. Business Wars. Your superpower. Consistency. And a time you felt like a member, like you belonged. College, when I was at my college basketball games and I never missed another one. Thank you so much for being a guest, JLD. It's a real privilege to, uh, to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Robbie. That was John Lee Dumas. For more about John and his new book, go to UncommonSuccessBook.com. And for more about subscription stories, as well as a transcript of my conversation with John, go to RobbieKelmanBaxter.com slash podcast. Also, if you like what you heard, please take a moment to write a review and give us a star rating. And mention this interview if you especially enjoyed it. Reviews matter so much in helping others to find us. Thanks for your support. And thanks for listening to Subscription Stories. Subscription Stories.